You're listening to Season 4 of Views from the Bridge, your second favorite podcast about the Philadelphia Union. We are a part of the Beautiful Game Network. For soccer podcasts, writing, and any other content, visit bgn.fm. Let's get right to it. Do we want to be a good team, or do we want to be f***ing great? Hey everybody, welcome to Views from the Bridge, your second favorite Philadelphia Union podcast. Oh boy, I almost wish we didn't have to talk about the first team this week. Anyway, uh, mathematically proven to be most of the time your host. Hiya, uh, Evan Valala here. Good to see you. Good to be seen. Thank you for letting me into your ears and your homes and your cars and other things. Uh, two of my uh, of my co-hosts, of my, of my favorite people, of people that subject uh, themselves to, to me um on a bi-weekly basis are here um he just got done watching a very boring soccer game so that's three for three over the last two weeks i guess justin ashcraft is here hey guess what i get to go from watching a team not informed to talking about a team who's not informed Woo! yay so great so great and you know uh i wish the union would take after uh the other host that is currently here um because he's always in form it's Chuck Booth. Oh, wow. You're actually um, giving me a relatively good intro to go off of for a change. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. 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 There's been there's been a lot of um, division um, <laughs> recently in the Philadelphia Union um, uh, expanded universe. As I as I use my hands to try to conjure words to sort of slip in and out of what I could which is say, funny because not just, not well, only can the listeners not see you, no, neither can you. you guys. How about it? It's a lot of uh, it's like I have a tiny globe in my hands and I'm just kind of spinning it. Anyway, speaking well, hmm, no, see, I wanted to talk about the good news first, but I figure we should get the bad stuff out of the way. Chicago Fire won a non-rotated nope, after nope, two days nope, of rest. Nope. You gotta nope. go back one more game. <laughs> Roll back. Oh, I don't want to. What if we just didn't? No, but the, we get to talk about. We do get to talk about a good game. I guess. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. Corey Burke's left hip two. New York City Football Club one. In a 2-1 win over the Pigeons that have a tiny stadium in one of the five boroughs in New York City. Um, yeah. This was insane. Okay, so the unfortunate part about Corey Burke's left hip is it yeah. It might it might have been Jose Martinez's first goal from range had Corey Burke's you know, hip not was... got on it and it did, but it went in, but it's oh it's unfortunate. Uh, and maybe that was Jose Martinez's Joker moment after that, because the last couple of games he's played, he's been a little, a little, uh, a little naughty. But we'll we'll get there when we get there, I guess. Uh, well, he was a he he was he was a little naughty ending that game. It's true. Well, uh, yep, yeah, you're right. Sent sent a, sent a, sent a message. Um, with a few birds to those away supporters. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. And he's he's, uh, he's an eagle supporter too. He is. He's the most Philly athlete that's existed in this city since Allen Iverson. Um, <laughs> for sure. 
Uh, but I don't know how much of him we're going to see <laughs> on the field if these antics keep happening. Um, uh, anyway, uh, no, I mean, the Union were in control in most of this game. Teddy Castellanos is an is a awful person. Um, and then the Union steal a win, I guess, at home, which is great. And then you're like, wow, we did that. Like, there's a there's a kind of easier stretch of games coming here. And then the next two games happen. But um, I think a really good win uh, against I, New York I, City. Um, I believe before this um, whole run, someone yeah. on this podcast may have said that we're going to beat New York, but then lose to Chicago. I don't know who that was, but... Yeah, this, this yeah. was part of the discussion that we had the last well, time that we recorded. And I think that person was right. So, good on them, wherever they may be. Um. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> so... Yeah, Justin. This New York game was a hard game to judge, because yes, ultimately the product on the field was not all that much better than what it has been. No. Um, you know, I guess you get sort of a lucky deflection with a couple minutes left in the game and end up with a ball in the back of the net that mm-hmm. secures your three points, but which is what matters because when we get to the end of the season and we're trying to figure out where we're going to be seated in the playoffs, whether you have three in this game or one in this game matters, how you got there doesn't. Um, correct, but so it's frustrating because it's like, okay, cool, we got win which we desperately needed but it wasn't satisfying yeah so i i i enjoy that the union actually fought back into the game yeah because one thing that had been missing from a lot of these draws is it felt like after the 60th minute the union weren't the team chasing the win it was the opposition like in every single one of these so while I felt that that was at least a good thing about the New York game, the problem with that is New York is a team that thinks that they're good enough to pass through teams and beat them on their own terms. Yes. And that's just, they literally just played into the union's hands for resigning themselves to that loss. And I think if Ronnie Dalio's still coaching that team, they steamroll the union in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the reason why they have not won a game since he went to Belgium, because you do miss good coaches. But it also just doesn't matter at the end of the day, because all that matters is the three points. But unfortunately, we saw very quickly that those three points were not a uh, turn for this team. Mm. Yep, because on short rest... They go and lose to the Chicago Fire, one nothing. In just like, and I, 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 I so I, I wanted the like kind of. It's so hard to talk about this team because it's like everything outside of literally the eleven guys on the first team right now, and even then actually, is like just it looks incredible optically for the future of this team and the rest of the season um 
with you know like our entire bench basically giving the u.s uh an olympic bid and winning the u20 tournament again and then what the u17s won mls next's little cup they had or whatever like there's there's a lot of like oh man like this this is it's gonna be awesome and you know like in my head i'm like well now you have to play these u20s when they come back against dc united because like look at all those goals um and then on like three days rest i know you have a short bench but like you didn't rotate anybody and i think chuck tweeted it at some point or he put it in our twitter group where it's like Stuart finley exists like there's guys that exist that are like senior <laughs> first team in a soccer club experience having players that you could plug in here and it honestly probably wouldn't go that bad but instead you just don't rotate well, anybody fight, yeah. and you lose to chicago I'm, I truly am convinced that Jesus Bueno does not exist now. Not a He's real just person. a figment of our imaginations that uh, somehow shows up on the bench. And, like, yep. I, I get that he was recovering from an injury, but to log, like, no minutes over... Four. Yeah. Th um, yeah, over the three, three games in seven days is Incredible. pretty ridiculous, considering how much the midfield is expected to run and mm -hmm. how little some of these midfielders have been bringing to the game at times. Yes. Yep. But um, Chicago served two purposes because yep. there, there is one good thing that happened in Chicago, even though it was a very terrible thing on um, Chris Mueller's goal yes. um, when he stole Kai Wagner's soul. Um, he likely ended all european interests in the philadelphia <laughs> union left back that we can't afford to lose right now yeah because yeah. as as you see um the guy that we thought would be gone by now every team that was linked with him has now basically signed a different left back and now leeds united has at least jesse marsh is going on record saying that they're not signing a left back because with yeah. getting Tyler Adams, you assume yeah. that Stuart Dallas is now going back into defense. Yeah. So at least the union will keep their number one chance creator until the end there, of the season. There hopefully. is that. Justin, any thoughts on the, everything else was bad. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the Chicago game was, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, like it's, What's interesting to me, I mean, what has interested me all throughout this run, and then I think what's interesting to me is, going forward, is the um, the top line midfield, uh, like, you know, the top four in your diamond, mm -hmm. seem to be untouchable in yep. this lineup or as far as starting lineups go. And I don't their their play on the field is not worthy of it. That and that's what I just don't understand. Like it's kind of so obvious I, to everybody that they shouldn't be untouchable. Like they should not be like, okay, you know, we're gonna play these four in midfield every time. Yeah. But they just keep doing it. <laughs> I thought you were getting into the strikers as well because I because like because I feel like it's th 
three and a half players at least in that attacking ish line are un- are untouchable because we don't know well we do know that Sergio Santos is in South America we don't know when Sergio Santos is coming back I thought Correct. that he already had his green card I believe that this is trying to move his family here I'm not 100% sure it's really vague and there's a lot of just stuff going on and I am highly concerned that this is going to end with Sergio Santos needing to be sold to South America mm. I mean so I mean the first thing I like I, I agree with you Chuck I, I, I at this point I'm just more concerned about the midfield because what seems to be the and it and it happened against Columbus too. What seems to be the plan right now going forward is just to skip the midfield. <coughs> and mm. I I don't like this isn't it's hard because it's not a knock on any of the four. I think Jose Martinez is a gr- is a great defensive midfielder and will continue to be and as long as he stays in MLS will continue to be in MLS for a long time. Um because we've seen players like him before who have made their mark in MLS and been around a long time. Yep. Yep. Gazdog also, you can't argue against the production that he's had so far this season. And I know that Chuck, you've argued against playing him at the 10, but he like, you can't argue with the production this season. My concern is there are games and I think Columbus and, and we haven't really talked about Columbus, but Columbus and Chicago, two of them, those two being, more obvious than others maybe where I, there, you didn't feel like Gazdog flock and Bedoya were in the game. And it like, right. it just, there was too many balls that just went over the top trying to find Carranza, Ure, Donovan, Burke, whoever you're trying to find. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's mm-hmm. just nothing through the midfield. And it, and it, it uh-huh. I just don't know what to do with like, it's just obvious what the Union are doing at this point, and they're not playing through the midfield all that much. Their midfield's not making a difference in the game all that much. And so what are you supposed to do at this point other than hitting 40, 50-yard balls down the field and hoping that somebody gets on the end of it? Yeah, it's got and it's got a few issues because usually, like, we know at this point that Daniel Gazdog is a 10 in name only. He's not going to really drop back and link up play. He may play a long pass to a forward, but he's looking to arrive in the box, play on one of the crosses that the forward plays across the box, and knock it in the net, and he's been extremely good at that. So, fine, continue doing it. The issue is that, like, Julian Carranza has been a pretty good target forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You can't aim every single attack at Carranza at all it just doesn't work and uh, unfortunately with the way that Olivier Mbizo plays when he gets into the game everything goes to Carranza Uh and this is even with Alejandro Bedoya having one of his best creative seasons with the Union ever yeah ever yeah. And they still yeah. just don't I, use him to do what he's supposed to do yeah. and actually link the defense with the attack. Like, we know that going forward, Jose Martinez and Leon Flock are useless. 
absolutely useless. Like, you just yeah. don't want either well. of them to have the ball at their feet. Um, but if you're going to do that, like, at least let Glasnas be Glasnas and just maraud up the field. Change right. the formation, which I get is hard when literally half of your bench is just gripping up CONCACAF kids. Yeah. Um, but like it's just clear that long balls up the pitch don't work and they're mm. if anything giving the defense too much work to do which just leads to more jose martinez red cards like if we had an actual attack we'd keep our defensive midfielder on the field more yep yep yeah and i i think what i think the biggest piece of that that frustrates me is last season Anytime we talked about, like, we knew what Flock was last season, right? That he's, for, for, to confuse everybody, he's sort of a seven, right? He, he, he sort of plays an eight, but he's sort of more of a six. He played the six mm-hmm. a lot last season. But there was a lot of times where he, especially when he was playing at the eight, found himself in the attack last season. Or he just made more of an impact on the game like he was breaking up play he was causing frustration for the other team's midfielders and all that stuff i i just feel like at this point in the season what i've what i've been frustrated with or what i've watched and been frustrated with is i think like there hasn't been a game that we've seen leon flock play that we're like that's why he had gold cup interest last season like Mm -hmm. he's he's just not playing at the level he played last season not being as disruptive as he was last season. And I think that has, you know, in some ways it's helped Wagner because Wagner's gotten further up the field because Flock won't. But it's just, it's made us way less dynamic, I guess, on the field. Well, Um, and and I'll make a a tiny point, and then I I think that'll actually kind of segue into talking about the, the kids that we just got back this week. I think that game against Columbus was Leon Flock's worst game in a union kit. Maybe. And it might not even be that close. But he was irresponsible when he got the ball at his feet. Um, Really good at winning it back. I think he's always been proficient enough at winning it back. He's not Martinez. He doesn't have to be. But he's always been pretty good about, okay, that's a good tackle or that's a good challenge or at least there's pressure on the ball when it comes in the Flock's kind of domicile he's not as good as a two-way player as Bedoya or even as Martinez um, is and so that limits his ability to counter or to help break Um, but it's never looked as bad as it did against Columbus and I think that definitely did not help anybody in that game at all because it didn't let your forwards do anything and then i think martinez went well all right fuck now i gotta really overcompensate for this guy and he you know got sent off martinez wasn't in the club yeah, it's game. like yeah um yeah the oh yeah, Columbus was um, losing my mind a mid, yeah it was a midfield losing trio. my mind uh, losing my mind um, we finally got rotation Oh, did we? Yeah, actually, yeah, we probably need to roll back. <laughs> yeah, um, let's talk. I guess Columbus we should talk lineup, about that. Yeah, uh, K- 
can you tell we're hurting for forwards and we have one of our guys stuck in South America when you're new and and you know I'm not gonna be like well, Chris Donovan sucks but like he shouldn't be hey starting. I appreciate I appreciated Chris Donovan's effort I think he's actually looked like okay yeah no I mean he did like he did the right things and could have been involved in a goal yes but when you see chris donovan and Corey burke as your starting strikers yeah. against a theoretically good team in columbus not exactly um, like a point there not, is amazing not, <laughs> not happy and then when you pair that with a midfield trio of Leon Flack, Daniel Gazdog, and Alejandro Bedoya. Yeah. The yeah. first thing that I see is I'm just shitting my pants on how will this team defend Lucas Elorian. Well, no, no. Well, they they didn't defend Lucas Elorian is the issue. Um, no, no. The off, very few teams can, to be fair. Defended. But it definitely wasn't. It's true. I mean... But uh, power to Stuart Finley. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Finley, I, that back three played very well in this game other than a few moments. Um, especially when you're playing without a defensive midfielder on the field. Yeah. I think like that was actually a pretty good effort against uh, a Columbus side that... Um, you know, struggling in their own right for uh, something called a striker. Um, so yeah. I think it. You know, I think it was a it was a good it was a good defensive effort, and um, you know, you got to give it up to Blake too for keeping a PK out of the As net. Always. But um, but I just think it's hard. Yeah, I mean, this game was really hard because you got to. We've been asking for rotation. You want rotation. You needed to rotate in this game. But you probably should have rotated the previous game, and not this game. I don't, well, I, and I yeah. really don't actually mind the Chris Donovan start. I think like you, no, you no, no. you're trying something, and you're trying well, to. Well, you don't it have out. you you, you oh, don't have that no, many the, options. Yeah, either. the yeah the the issue is not Chris Donovan at all. No, it's no. Chris Donovan alongside Corey Burke. Because if you play even Burke and or against Chicago. And then play Donovan and Carranza. Yep, you probably beat Columbus. Probably. Yeah, I, yeah, I would be interested to see what Carranza and Donovan do with each other. Because Donovan I, is the as energetic as yeah, or and bringing similar things. Yeah, I mean it comes, <laughs> and I think Donovan and Carranza both kind of have a chip on their shoulder yet too, and I kind of like that. For sure, for sure, they do. It comes back to, I mean, but like you said, we've been trying to segue this whole podcast because we don't yeah, want to yeah, talk yeah. about these games. Here it is, Justin. It comes, it comes back to, um, like, when you're making your subs in the 60th, 65th minute, whatever that was, when you make your striker substitutions, mm -hmm. I feel like at that point, if you could have also substituted your 10 with one Paxton Aronson, you might have had a chance to win that game too. And it just, it, it's just... Pax will, Pax will do way more than Gazdog at this point of linking midfield to to striker. 
and and maybe he won't do it perfectly. He's he's still a kid, but he's gonna do way more than Gazdag is doing in that area. And so I feel like if you have this opportunity to win, you know, if you have this opportunity that you're playing a close zero zero game, neither team's really having that good of chances other than the PK, and you can put an actual number ten on the field you might actually come away with three points there, but it's, but then, but that just goes back to, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're just not, we don't have our kids. Well, but and this is why I would, I would push, I would actually push Daniel Gazdog up to playing as a striker because mm. I would like to see both of them on the field but not Paxson Aronson as a forward. And I still don't understand why Jim Curtin did that in the start that Paxton got this year. Yeah. Because it's like, you're literally just asking him to be lost on the field. And he was mm-hmm. justifiably lost because he is a 10. He's not a forward. And that was just not a good solution for anyone. But the Columbus game is actually a great segue into talking about these kids because the formation against Columbus is something that they could all play in mm. out instead of the diamond. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and, and like, we've talked about it for literally, I mean, literally years, but it's, it's, Especially in the last year or so with Pax and, and Quinn. And I'm obviously a, a pleasant surprise of, of Jack McGlynn kind of coming off the bench and immediately scoring a goal into the bottom left corner for the U20s. Um, but it's like, all right, how much more do these kids need to prove to you? And especially now where it's they just won a decently prestigious tournament uh, and were probably the best it, players on that team it, is it a decently prestigious tournament I, i'm i'm gonna make it one because it helps Cause their i don't prove i don't know that it's a prestigious tournament it gets them into one right we'll go with that and it it's gets them into one. and it's one that the last three classes of yeah. u20s have failed at no 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 Mm-mm. it's that's that's Mm-mm. not correct actually they, no, we've, we've won this. They've, like every they've actually won this tournament three times in a row. This is just the first time that this tournament was used to qualify for both the World Cup and the Olympics, which is why they finally were able to qualify for the Olympics for the first time since 2008. But which I, is still a good thing. I mean, yeah, I'm just no, saying I mean, there's a there was pressure riding on this tournament that had nothing to do yeah. with the tournament, and that's what I like. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Olympic qualifier for sure. It's a, it's a, it's a moment that you like that a team has to say, "Hey, the last three, like, and it may not have been through this tournament, but the last three classes of under twenty threes or whatever, who have had a chance to qualify the, for the Olympics, didn't. So yeah. how are we going to do it in this moment? Even though it's a different qualification process, how are we going to do it? And they did it, and they did it yeah. in like style not even to mention that that yep. brandon craig was on the field for all six games as well yeah so like and and so i just don't know what else pax and quinn need to do i mean any of them really but especially 
Paxton, who was the player of that tournament, and then well, Quinn, who was right behind him, to get more than 10 minutes off the bench. But theoretically, I don't DC think they need credit. to do much because even if you go back to some of Jim Curtin's comments before um, the U20 tournament, I feel like he's been kind of just holding off the reins because he didn't want the team to get too used to them playing them serious minutes and then and then losing them for this yeah. long stretch of time. Hmm. Um like I don't and and also you have to and then going back into the diamond, I it doesn't suit any of them. Because I mean I'm true I'm truly not sure still what Quinn Sullivan's best position is because he's kind of beginning to feel a little bit like Anthony Fontana with yeah. not being a 10 sort of being a forward but not really being a forward in this system because we play too many long balls forward right it's like the U20s at times we're looking like Barcelona playing the ball up the field yeah like we're not going to see that from the union the union are quite possibly the like most possession in MLS team. yeah but that's um, where I feel like there's moments where Quinn can still benefit the team, you know, like, and yeah, I yeah, definitely yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Quinn Sullivan should always be the first man off the bench. And he already proved that last year. Like he's done enough to show that he can change the game. Well, and that's, I, that's, I think where to your point, Chuck, like his weird, I'm not necessarily a one position guy thing like helps him because then if you just need someone to be a bit of a spark plug in any of your midfield positions, he can kind of slot in there. And like, sure. I'd rather have him yeah, a little bit farther up the field, but really as long as problem he's not the, supposed to yeah. that's be just like the your defensive diamond defensive is it's so it's, it's so structured that yeah. when they sub him as an eight in the diamond, if he doesn't play as an eight, all of the defensive structure is gone. Yeah. And in and not playing at a double pivot, like Jack McGlynn's passing just isn't used well because we don't have the damn ball. Um, yeah. You like if you if you literally rolled out the exact lineup against Columbus, move Gazdag out the striker, put Paxton Aronson behind him, drop Leon Flock because against against that team, the back three and Alejandro Bedoya could have done enough defending to let you get by without flock especially with playing mcglynn next to bedoya there you would think that they control possession enough to actually you know work the ball up the field um it is something where it feels like there's enough freedom for the kids to function because that's one of the tough things with like this class versus brendan aronson and mark mckenzie like they had defined positions, defined roles, things that you know, like, okay, you can put them in this exact structure and know exactly what they're going to do. These are literally three flare pro- players for a team that plays with zero flare. <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean, it just feels like to me, and I, and I understand Jim's thought process, you know, of saying like, Hey, I don't want to. I don't want the team to get used to these guys coming off the bench every game for twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, it's thirty goofy, minutes. Kind of goofy though. But like, why not make somebody like Gazdog earn his position? Back? A goofy put guy. a ch- 
put a chip on his shoulder. Like, That's true. you know, if he's get if he gets you know if he gets sat for packs one game, the next game he's gonna come back with a little bit of, hey, I gotta earn this spot back if he's gonna play packs. You know, like, so I feel like it's competition for spots is never a bad thing. I don't feel like, um, you know, other than if you're. Yeah. Unless like unless someone takes it personally, like if God's dog like takes it to heart and then you know, puts like a, uh, I don't know MJ like fuck them kids thing going on, then like that's a problem. But like well, that's when you sort of trust he, that he, your he, locker room is good did, enough if that did, if it did, doesn't yeah, happen. If he did that, he wouldn't be on the team. Like I yeah no that's I fair. do think that's that very they fair. have good enough Too characters many. to know that that's not really gonna happen. Um, right right right. And I have no, and I, yeah, not, and obviously I have no issues with benching anyone at any time that's not Andre Blake because yeah. you yeah, need these guys to be fresh for an entire season. Right. Um, like, it, and I mean, it is good important. God. If you, if you rotated the team super hard against Chicago and you lost, I don't think anyone would really be like, oh, yeah, like that's, ooh, really in trouble there. But like, leaving all of your guys in for a game against like Chicago on two days rest when you have Columbus at the, you know, the end of the week or whatever. I just, it just doesn't, there's some of the, some of the like time management stuff. And I guess stop me if you've heard this before. So I'll just stop. But like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And I, I'm very similar. I, these games isolate the, the results of, of the game since New York, you know, Columbus, yeah. Chicago and Columbus. I don't actually mind those results isolated. Not terrible. Like Columbus, Columbus is always going to be a tough game. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's a Caleb Porter team. It's a team that there it, it it's it's never fluid. When you when you watch the Union against Columbus, it's never a fluid game. It's always chippy. It's always hard to get results. So I don't mind a draw there. I also don't mind a midweek loss against Chicago when you've got games on both weekends. I don't mind that either. But <laughs> the way this happened of not rotating anybody against Chicago and then trying a different formation and rotation against Columbus, right. some of it forced right. by the Martinez red card. Yep. It's just like, why? <laughs> why 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 did we choose to do it that way rather than rotating against Chicago and then, you know, doing partial rotation against Chicago, partial rotation against columbus and putting stronger teams out for both games you know i i I just don't really understand it well i mean you you just went back through basically the only criticism of jim Curtin over all of the years yeah just line up line up management making changes at the right time it it just continues perpetually because we know yeah, that it's... his A game is better than most. We have yeah. yet to see an appropriate line B or C. Yeah. 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 Those I mean, those are the two those are the tried and true Jim Curtin gripes is is your lineup management is okay at best. And then you know, the early knock is like, why can't you get guys to care enough to win an open cup? And I think you kind of calm that down a little bit because you want a supporter shield. 
Um, but yeah, the the lineup management stuff is still just like this glaring like, huh? All right. Um, and so you that being can still yeah. go first in the East this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, DC United wait, alumni wait. night. Well, wait. Sorry. Before we Sorry. before we move off of that. I do yeah. have to make one more comment related to the last sure. two games. Uh, one, how about a trainer red card? How about and, a trainer red card? And two, that that same trainer doesn't know who Messi and Ronaldo are. Wait, what? Did, did you guys not see that video? I did not there see. Was, there was. I didn't. I didn't. So, I didn't. I didn't, re- I didn't realize that in that video he didn't know who Messi and Ronaldo were because I was um main mainly caught up with i love nathan harriel in that video just being like you're not pulling me into that shit i'm not answering yes so at the very end of that video they asked paul rushing who messi ronaldo are and his response was who's that <laughs> i don't he know was, if it was okay, legit or right. not gonna, but that I'm was the end of that video paul rushing because that way if i if i go to another I, game this year he won't find me i would honestly i would honestly believe yep. that paul rushing outside of working with this team has never watched a soccer game in his life Ooh, oh i love sure. that for sure oh i love that for sure i i was gonna go with the i think he knows who they are but he is still not used to having attention on this level and so he just froze and went, what? <laughs> the thing that but I, I... I like the idea that he just is never... He, he's, he doesn't like soccer. He just works for a fucking soccer team. The only the thing that I Beautiful. liked about that video was Corey Burke uh, calling uh, Jose Martinez out for getting beat by Messi in an Argentine-Venezuela game. Yes. And that's why Martinez picks Ronaldo. Yes. It, it was also cool seeing um, all the Matt Real answers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, DC on Friday. Yeah, DC on It's Friday. alumni night. Uh, weird names. <sighs> uh, I don't know if someone's auditioning to be an assistant coach for the first team this year, like Ryan did last year, but that's neither here nor there um get, get like a, it's like a it's like a weird public test to be like do the fans like you enough to make you an assistant coach um things i would like to see out of this dc united is basically a team comprised of one man and that man is drew sorry uh taxi and um if you can shut him down things are a lot easier um so that would be nice i would also i know shocker love to see like 30 minutes of Paxton Aronson or 30 minutes of Quinn Sullivan, or, you know, if I could just be so lucky 30 minutes of both of them, that would be really neat. And then the union win convincingly. And everyone's like, Oh, that worked out really great. Let's keep doing that. And they do. And then, you know, the rest of the season is just <laughs> a, a, a blazing success. I mean, if so, that happens, everyone would be like, oh, let's keep doing that. And then Jim will go back to his normal lineup the game after And that. then Christmas tree forever. No. <laughs> Evan, you've seen Union DC United games before. Uh-huh. Um, I know. I, I know. It's not going to happen. Well, I do. So I do think one thing is going to happen like they i don't think they're going to stop taxi because that does actually seem to be an impossible task Fair. but that they'll do enough to limit him yes 
that DC should hopefully just capitulate and do their normal thing where they concede a lot of goals. Because mm-hmm. even in his hat trick against Orlando, right? Yep, yep. Um, DC still conceded three goals and it took yeah. five goals for them to win. I believe yeah. they've conceded at least two goals in every game um, that wasn't against Chicago. Um May at least be every away match, but there is they, three... they have some very bad. Um, um yeah, they. Meh. You got doing live stat looking <laughs> on the show. Like recently, yeah, it's been rough. Um, oh no, I mean it. Well, the thing is, is it the stats don't need to be correct. Um, it's just no, I mean bad. you're you're but you're you're DC right, United basically. is. DC United is a bad team. They're not great. The unfortunate thing is that the Chicago Fire, also a bad team. Also, we're a bad team. Um, yeah. And the Union are still on short rest. They will get more yeah. people back. But like af- just after this gauntlet, I can't tell you what will happen, especially since like you we do know that Sergio Santos won't be back and starting in this lineup, which is a concern because all of the best performances on the field have still come with Carranza and Sergio Santos at the top of the line. Yeah. Um and Jesse Lingard I just would be really don't... cool. <laughs> Please don't. No. Please don't. That, like that'd be fun. I so yeah. actually so actually yeah so speak but speaking of so who I actually want who potentially is attainable is yeah. Latif Blessing. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun because I mean he's already a human line shark, which just fits right in with the way what? that Philly plays. Yeah. Have you have you looked at a picture of him? Oh yeah, he did kind of get cut, didn't he? Yeah. Well, no, I just I I I mean, I I thought the what was to my reference in calling him a land shark. I I mean I, I Whatever. Um, I, that's not the first thing but, that came to my mind when I think of Latif Blessing, but that's fine. Well, but I I was obviously going to say more things after that. <laughs> um but all right, Chuck he... Semantic Booth over here. He can well. He can he can roll into what we want to get from Leon Flock, but yes. aren't getting because of the fact that he's played as a winger, a striker, and a central midfielder. So even playing on the side of a diamond can sometimes turn that diamond into a four-three-three because yeah. this team doesn't need to be so structured all the time. Um, so just having someone out there, which is the biggest thing that you miss with not having Montero, who can mm. just break the formation and just do something, is important and would be great. And LAFC um, basically are over the salary cap and trying to do what they can to shed players. So it probably wouldn't cost much to actually get one of their fringe guys. I also don't think it would cost much right now to get Miro back because, boy, howdy. <laughs> Not that I think Francisco Calvo is like a million dollar player, but 200 grand? 
I don't know. Wait, what? Yeah, he went to uh, or is is about to go to a team in Turkey for two hundred thousand dollars. Speaking of about I mean, wow. Speaking of about two hundred thousand dollars, I did see somewhere today oh. that I think the union just got three hundred and sixty seven thousand dollars from Venezia. Uh oh, yeah, so that's what that's what they got. I yeah, I I've been looking to see what DeVries went for. Um one and a half Calvo. Because it was just very vague, but yeah, I mean, you would hope there's at least some solid sell-ons with that. Uh, but yeah, the union have collected far too much money and are too just much hanging out with it. Just and just just too reliant on keeping goals out and not scoring them to yeah. be able to feel comfortable sitting there and not doing anything during this transfer window. Especially considering that, like, I mean, Supporter Shield is basically out of reach already, unfortunately. Yep. yep. But you have still an extremely good chance at winning the East. And in MLS Cup, with how good this defense is, anything can happen if you get someone who makes it easier to score goals. So yeah. I still want to see either a mid like a midfielder or a actual right back come in because it does seem like Jim Curtin is finally getting around to Nathan Harrell's limitations going mm-hmm. forward um which isn't a knock on him cuz he is just a young right back learning how to play the game but when your other option is Olivier Longball and Bizo yes chuck according to the foot mob app which who knows it says fee 386k Mm. that's the only place that i've seen actually reporting that the transfer even happened so Mm. we'll just go with that for now either way Um, i don't like their new logo by the way no but either way, the union now have maybe have a couple hundred thousand dollars to do something with. Not that they haven't had money to do stuff with before. But now there's more of it. Now there's more of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at VFTV pod. Uh, let me know that I'm really bad at this or something else. Or just keep being distracted with that other stuff so you don't, don't bother us. Um, uh, yeah, um, let us know if you get pictures with both the Farfans or... Uh, ask Brian Carroll about uh, refinancing your house or something. Um, yeah, so we're going to beat DC like 3-1. to one, And everything will, will be right with the world. Okay. Well, the everything? soccer world as it relates to the Philadelphia Union, <laughs> but just the team on the field and their direct affiliates <laughs> that play soccer. That's probably it, actually. Yep, you're right. That's, yeah, that's about it. That's a, no, that 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 that's a that's a better um, rundown. Yep. Great. Deuces. Still done. Yep. Thanks. 
You've just listened to an episode of Season 4 of Views from the Bridge. You can find us all over the internet, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at VFTBPod. Thanks to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We're also sponsored by Robbie over at Icarus FC. Icarus will make the custom kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Get started at IcarusFC.com. Do you enjoy the show and want to support us? There are two ways. You can head to Design Tree at dsgntree.com VFTB for all of our latest merch. Or you can just buy us a coffee or beer at Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash VFTBpod. Thanks for your listening and your support. Views from the Bridge is also a podcast of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. Head over there to find all kinds of soccer, writing, content, and other podcasts. For Evan Villela, Chuck Booth, and Paul Catrino, I'm Justin Ashcraft, signing off.